0: Uh, The passage that we're going to be in is Luke chapter 10. And there's a big chunk here, verses 1 through 24. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 24. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to preach about a little bit of it. And for the next several weeks, other than next week Easter, Herb Hunter is going to be preaching. Um, These are all going to tie together. So I know that this is going to require you to think about what's happening here. And we're going to skip a week and come back to it. But verses 1 through 24 is going to be three, four, maybe five different messages because they all kind of tie together. Uh, so I'm going to start with the reading of the... Actually, I'm going to start with the word of prayer, then I'm going to read this passage. And I want to encourage you, the, the big chunk of it I don't have up there, um, I just want you to sit and listen to it. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Uh, but then when I go back uh, to the beginning and go through the commentary of thinking about what these verses say will... I'll have those up there for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for um, your word. I ask now before I begin that you would allow us today to enter into your presence in a way that hears your word and, and walks away understanding what it has for us today. Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct my words, and I just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. "'Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. "'I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. "'Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! "'For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, "'they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes.'" but it would be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, And said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, a lot of stuff in there, isn't there? A lot of things to think about. We're going to cover, we're going to go back to the first two verses. And I'm going to do, introduce two thoughts to you before we read these two verses, these first two verses again. The first thought is this. I just want to give you the main point of the sermon. Can I just do that right at the beginning? Let's just give you the point. And that doesn't mean after I give it to you, you can go. Okay, that's, that's not how that works. Um, but I want to go ahead and just give it to you right now. The main point of those first couple verses, I think, is this. There's work to be done the Lord will accomplish it. There's work to be done. And the Lord will accomplish it. He will do it. Some of this will go throughout the whole rest of this little section. There's work to be done. And God will accomplish it. Okay? So that's the first thought I want to plant in your minds. I want you to be thinking about that thought. Considering, is that the gist of? Is that one of the points that we ought to walk away with? Okay, That's what I think is the point to walk away with it. That's what I hope is. I'm encouraging you as we look at this text to ask yourself the same question. Is that what we can walk away with? There's a second thought I'd like you to consider as we're looking at these things. And this will carry on again throughout the whole rest of this. There is a glimmer of, just a glimmer, just a slight whisper of, the church in what we're gonna read today. It's not mentioned outright. We know eventually when Christ ascends, he gives all things, all authority is given to him and he gives all things from himself to the church, his people. And you get to see glimpses of the church here. Now, let's go back to the beginning of this. Let me set some groundwork again, just so we don't forget. Uh, Jesus says how many disciples in general? What do you say when you usually say that? This isn't a trick question. Twelve, right? There's twelve. We've heard them doing some debating. Just recently, what were they debating amongst themselves that Jesus overheard and said, hey, what were you guys talking about? Do you remember that? What was it? Who's the greatest, greatest, right? Who's the greatest? Um, One of the things that they think, and Paul mentioned this earlier, we've mentioned this several times, one of the problems that we're discovering with these disciples is they're expecting the Messiah to be a certain way. And one of the ways they're expecting him to be is king. Now, he's going to go into Jerusalem, he's going to boot out the Roman authorities, and he's going to rule. And so part of their thinking is we get to be a part of that. What a great privilege. We get to be a part of that rule and reign. And you know what? That's going to happen in some way. Someday, Christ will rule and reign, and we get to reign with him. But now, they are confused on the timing, and they think this is going to happen there in Jerusalem. They're missing a key important element, an element we've been talking about in Sunday schools. We have a problem. We're sinners. And Christ is going to pay for that sin sure it work. Here we go. We're back on. Um, since I've been interrupted by a dead mic, I'm going to throw in a thought, a third, a third thought. Can I do that? Um, it, it ties into with what we're talking about. Um, and I think as I share this thought, I think as I share this thought, you're going to realize that this sermon today is, I, I probably, if nobody showed up today this is the sermon I think I'd be preaching to myself. Okay, so I'm glad you're all here to participate and watch this, but um, there, there's a lot of this that was important for me. Um, I, I have, for many years at Edgewood, we've gone through some ups and downs with numbers, and uh, I've, God has given me a lot of liberty with that, where I'm like, I mean, for, for the most part, I've been like, pfft, you know, I, that might sound terrible, but I, there's a little bit of me that's like, Whatever. God, you're going to bring who you want. Whoever's going to be here is going to be here. Who's not, who's not, that's in your hands. And I was very good with it. And you'd see people come and you'd see people go. And I was telling Charity uh, this morning, actually, again, I was talking about how this time around, like we've had an influx of new people, and I, I I find dwelling in me, I don't know what to call it, it's potentially fear. There's a nervousness of, of y 'all leaving okay and and i 've been wrestling with that, and I, I want you to know there's here the, 's the reality i' it 's two parts one um, and i 'm being just totally honest with you guys here i don 't know why um, well, I know why I should be honest with you um, no, I just lied to you i 'm sorry no i I just um, in some sense, Charity and I were very tired, and she's talked a little bit about that, and and some of you brought relief, and that's what spurred my mind to think about it because the the help that Todd has brought, the help that so many of you have brought was a much-needed re- relief personally, okay? And so there's that part. But I realized this last week that that's not what it is. It's not It's not the thought of going back to not having the help. It's actually, I'm just... I love you guys. Um, I feel privileged to, like each and every one of you, I, I think it's an honor to get to to be your pastor each and every week and to preach the word to you each and every week. And, it's, and, and so I have to be liberated from that that fear of you leaving because, frankly, that could happen. And if it happens because I'm preaching the word of God, so be it. Right? Um. Anyway, back to the text. Um, I was saying, I think before my mic died, there's a glimpse of the church here. Was that what I was saying? I, and I, I see it even in us. There's a glimmer of the church in the very beginnings of this. I want you to just, we're going to look at the very first part of this. Now, try to experience this the way you would experience if you were one of the twelve and you'd just been arguing about who was the greatest. That who was the greatest argument had stemmed from a previous sending out that was very similar to this of the 12. They had been given authority to do these things. There's a part of me that wonders if the disciples, when they saw this happen, were like, he's just giving out authority to anybody now. <laughs> he's just standing it out left and right. And I saw in just this first statement, I saw a glimmer of what the church is all about just in this next little statement, that it is not about an elite group. Like, in some sense, what's our mantra? I'm a complete idiot. My future is incredibly bright. What's the third part? But anybody can get in on this. Like the fact that Jesus now sends out 72 others. I, I don't know this. I have a feeling that the disciples of the twelve might have been like. Wow. But understand that this is so essential to what how God is going to be operating his purposes in his kingdom from this point forward. It's all about all of you are involved. Anybody can get in on this. There's a lot of thought of an eliteness that comes into spiritual things. And I want to tell you right now that as this church develops, as we've grown a little bit, I think this is an important element, an important foundational element of what sort of church we're going to be. This work of what we do that we call ministry is for all of you, right? It's for every single one of you. There is opportunity in God's kingdom for every single one of you to hear this call to go and do for him. And there's not a single one of you that it can be left out of this call. In Ephesians chapter four, because there is a structure to the church that God gives later on, but I want you to listen to the structure that's being laid out here. This Ephesians passage, and I may look at this more, this may be our second look Wednesday night. This this, uh, Ephesians passage talks a lot about what God has given to his people, to the church, and, and focused on Christ. And it says here in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, that word that's translated shepherds, as pastors and teachers. And notice the purpose of these these people. The role is to do what? To equip the saints. Now, I'm going to do one of those things that teachers do where I read this, and then I pause, and I would let you say the next word, okay? So listen for the pause, okay? I'm not going to be tricky about it. Uh, to equip the saints for the works of ministry. Now, think about that for a second. Have you ever talked about somebody going into full-time ministry? Or have you ever talked about people being in the ministry? I hate to break it to you, but that's a false way to look at it. You're all in the ministry. Every single one. I'm not more in the ministry than you are, right? The, The only thing that is different necessarily about my role in the church at this time, and it may not always be this way, But right now, for this time, I'm fulfilling a role that God has given to the church, pastors and teachers, and one of the purposes is to equip the saints with the work of ministry. This is backwards from how many people view ministry. Some people look at, we need to hire somebody to do the ministry. (laughs) That's not how it works. That's not how it works in the Bible, and that's not how it's going to be here. Because we want to focus on how does God want us to do this. So understand... I do not see, I, I just want you to know, I do not see myself as more in the ministry than anybody else in this room, okay? I don't think of it that way at all. I see my job primarily as equipping you for the work of the ministry. I'm grateful that I'm a bivocational pastor because like you, I have this time on Sunday where I, I try to equip you, but then I go out there just like all of you do, right? Right? Paul, same thing, although he doesn't go out. He's working at home. i got to pick on Paul. I wanted to pick on him earlier because I I was like, man, gets a new truck and his kids don't even have shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. I'm just joking. But think about that. This sending out of the 72, we get captured in this. There's work to be done, and one of the first things I think about this work to be done is that it's for everybody. I hope that you also sense a different feel to what I'm trying to say to you today. This sermon could have been easily used as a, I think you called it a bludgeon, <laughs> to bludgeon your heads, to try to, this is what people that think of themselves as in the ministry look at people out there and think of all the time. is like, how do we get them to do stuff? Okay, that, we can't be that way here. That's not how it's gonna be. Okay? Ministry is what we're all in, and I hope that you see it as an opportunity God has opportunities for you what is it going to be God has things for you there's work to be done and it's open to every single one of you to participate in this great grand work for eternity right you get to be it's not just the 12 it's the 72 how many people do we have in here today Oh, we don't even have 72. See, we're good. We're still under the limit. No, I'm joking. Now, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, let's, look at, let's go back to our passage. The Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him. So, again, this work is a sending sort of work. It's a mission. I love thinking about what we're doing here as mission work. It's not just Herb Hunter who's going to come next week that's on mission He's taken it to another level. And I think I praise God that he's given us missionaries that God has called them to give up their whole lives to go to a completely new place where they don't know anybody. But don't think of that mission work as any different than the mission work that we're on here. We are on mission in this town. And this work of mission is a work that is sent on ahead of him. Again, I think of this as a beautiful whisper of the church. I mean, we're here, and we, we lose sight of this concept of, we, we think of, in fact, some of you, I think, have gotten some weird views about the end times because you look at it all as the, he's preparing a place for me, which is true, but you have to understand that the Bible does, also does a lot of talk about this. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming. You, or you don't expect. You be ready. There's some work we're to do to be ready for him. And some of us need to get off our laurels and do some work for him. Now, that's the bludgeoning. (laughs) But you have to understand, it's a great privilege and honor to get to do those things. You get to work for the kingdom. Your eyes have been opened to understand that the Son of Man is returning. And some of you are going to, he's going to show up and your your lamps are going to be out of oil. And if you've read through your scriptures, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Be ready. We have been sent on ahead of him, but he is coming. We've been sent into Danville and he is coming someday. The very next part of the phrase is then two by two. I wish it was always this way. It's not always this way, but we thank God when it is. Paul the apostle is many times on his own, but when he has opportunities to work with others, he thanks God for it. Philippians chapter 1, he says, and I don't have this up here, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm so glad that every single week, one of my favorite things about getting together as a church every week is I get this I'm-not-alone feel, Sometimes, when you're praise and testimony time, you're talking about this bad thing or this hard thing, or you're praising God for this thing. I get very much a, oh, I'm not in this by myself feel. Who else gets that every once in a while during praise and testimony time? I, there, that's such an important element. There's a, we ought to thank God for this partnership. When God gives us a chance to work together in the gospel, and we're all in this together, not like the world says it on you know, the commercials, we're in this together. No, we're really in this together. There is a partnership in the gospel. There's work to be done, and praise God, it's not always by ourselves. We have a partnership in the gospel. And this is what he did with the 72. He sent them out two by two. And he sends them into every town and place where he himself was about to go. This brings that last thought up again, mentioned again. He's sending them where he's going to be showing up. You are where you are because he has sent you there. I want, can you just rest in that for a minute? Let's just rest in that. He may have some time in the future where he may send you somewhere else. But this is where he sent you now, right? The workplace you have, that's where he's got you. The family you've got, he gave those people to you, right? Some of you went, Ugh. okay, don't say, they might be in here, they could hear you. The friends that you have, the neighbors that you have, God has sent you to a place where he is about to go. Or do you even think of it that way? I don't know how it all plays in to, the, to, the, to when his return, but you get this sense. I'm gonna just be completely honest with you. I would not be shocked that if in his return and when he creates a new heavens and new earth, that part of the new heavens and new earth would contain towns that were here beforehand there could be a Danville in heaven, okay? There, there's some sense that when he recreates, it's here, new earth. But there's a sense, you see little glimpses of that, and you see little glimpses of that with uh, some of these towns that he talks about. And this is gonna be a really weird concept to consider, but some of these towns he talks about later on in this passage, woe to you on the day of judgment, there, there'd be, there's, there's a little element of town that comes through Ask me what that means. I have no idea, but that you can't read the scriptures and not go, there's some part of that that might carry on when we rule and reign with him in glory. This town, Danville, I know some of you are ready to knock the dust off of your feet. This area, you're ready to dust, knock the dust off your feet like he talks about later, but you have not moved on yet. Don't go kicking the dust off your feet yet. You're still here on mission in these in this town with these people for this purpose there's work to be done and the lord will accomplish it he sends people you are where you are for a great grand purpose i absolutely believe that you have the spouse that you have, you have the kids that you have, you have the job that you have, you have the neighbors that you have, you have, you name it. I believe genuinely from the depths of my being that God has you there for a purpose. You have an ability to get to places where I'll never get to. I go places at school where you're not going to get to. God has us spread out each and every week. He sends us back out into the world. Now we move on to verse two. This next phrase you've heard many a time, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. We need to pause for just a minute on this thought. And at, I'd like to, you to ask yourself the question, do you see the world like this? Do you see the world this way? Like when you, when you look at the world, do you look at it and think, man, the harvest There's so much fruit for the picking. Do you see it as a lost cause? Or do you see it the way Jesus sees it? I think that's the question I need to ask. Do you see it as a lost cause? Now I'm not talking about generic the world. I'm talking about Vermillion Street Fairchild Street, right? Main Street, East Main Street, West Main Street, Westville, Georgetown, Bismarck. Do you see these places in this world that we live in? Do you see them as lost causes? Or do you see them like Jesus sees the harvest? There's a harvest that's plentiful. This is a difficult one. I'm going to be honest with you, it's difficult. I know that I've shared this with Andrew on Wednesday night. There's there's times where I look at the the lostness, if that makes sense. That's not a word. But I look at the lostness of people, and I feel like I don't even know where to start. I... In, in a very real way, I get glimpses of that every single day when I'm in the dean's office because I'm seeing the ones that are in trouble at Danville High School. And I know how some of you look at Danville High School. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing the worst of the worst at Danville High School when they're coming into my office. And there's times I will admit where I go, I don't even know where to start. Um, I had a praise on Wednesday night. I had a, there's this, uh, I may have to, I'll clip this out. We'll, clip, we'll trim this out. I'm not gonna say her name, but I was so I was so encouraged. There's a girl that's been coming to um, my the dean's office, and this is one that used to be in trouble all the time. I mean, fighting. I mean, mean is mean something mean. Mean is something that's really mean. What's something really mean? She was as mean as that. Junkyard dog. Junkyard dog. Mean as a junkyard <laughs> dog. And 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 for for some reason, she saw the dean's office as a place of. Respite, a piece where she wouldn't have to deal with all the stupid people out in the world. That's her words. Um, long story short, she's been gradually, I've been getting her to go to more classes each and every day because she's kind of hanging out in the dean's office instead of going to class. And I'm like, let's try to get it up to three classes. That's four. Now we're up to, we're only missing two classes here. Let's get out there. And um, she came into my office yesterday and she said, Mr. Harnes, I want you to know, I think my, my mom just texted me and said, which, why is she on her phone? Come on. Um, But she said, my mom just texted me and said, I think God put you into my life for a purpose. And I said, he did. And that purpose is for you you to go to school and go to class. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was an encouraging moment, but I thought, but that's like a drop in the bucket. You know how many kids are at Danville High School? It's all that, and maybe... Slight impact on one. It felt, at the same time I was encouraged, I felt overwhelmed again. There's plentiful work. And I don't see it always as a harvest that's just waiting to be, I, I don't see this fruit just waiting to be picked. I don't see it that way. But Jesus looks out on this world and he says, the heart, there's a plentiful harvest in John chapter four, he says something similar to his disciples, right? As he's going through a town in Samaria and there's the woman, he meets the woman at the well and, and he has this little conversation where she goes in and she's coming back and as she's coming back with some town people, townspeople, they're, they're walking back and he says this to him. He says, um, "Oh, do I not have it in there? Oh, I don't have that one in there. Um, Luke, or John chapter four, he says, do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. He says, look. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. Are you looking that way at the world? I know that Jesus does. But then the ever-present reality of every ministry that's ever been. Every church, I'm sure, from the beginning of time, (laughs) from the beginning of the church. In fact, if what I was saying earlier is true, that they were getting whispers of the church in this text, we get little glimmers of it, then this is encouraging me because, notice what he says next. And the laborers are few. I believe this is an ever-present reality. The work of the kingdom, I believe, will be this way till Christ returns. There will always be a plentiful harvest with few labors. I don't think we're ever going to see a point where we got too many people try, working for the kingdom and not enough stuff to do. Now, this is where the Spirit came back. Can I, can I be blunt? I'm just going to... This, this shows up. A lot of people like to do this. They like to hone in on this. Again, you could use it as a budget when it comes to, to, to work around the church that needs to be done. We need people to serve, right? We need some people to serve. It seems, this is how it always is. But I want to go right back, because see, I could, I, could, I could dwell on that phrase for the rest of the day today and try to be the Holy Spirit but if I do that, I'm ignoring what the text says to do. What does Jesus tell? You? When he recognizes this plentiful harvest, he sends out these 72, and he sees this plentiful harvest. There's so much. There's fruit for eternal life to be gathered in. These, these Don't think about that just as souls. Like there's, there's a whole gamut of what this harvest is about. There's fruit for eternal life is what he said in John. What do we do when there's, uh, plentiful harvest, but not enough people, do we guilt them? Do we coerce them? Do we put out a sign-up sheet and go, oh, your name's already on here. I don't know how that happened. Is that what we do? No. What does Jesus say to do? Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. Okay, now, Found something interesting. I was fully expecting when I dug into the wording here that there would be a Greek word for pray and a Greek word for earnestly that was talking about pray. There isn't. There's that, those are just one word in the original. And it's only used three times in the New Testament. Every time it's translated this way, pray earnestly. But the root of this word that's translated pray earnestly shows up about 150 times in the New Testament. And it usually shows up in some weird ways. Okay, So I'm going to tell you the other ways that this, the root of this word that's translated pray earnestly is translated. And you tell me What do you think, okay? Many times this word shows up. Sometimes it's translated begging. Sometimes it's translated binding, like tying somebody up. How is that? Pray earnestly. Do you know what I think it's kind of like? I think it's kind of like, I'm gonna use Paul as an example here. I'm gonna say it's kind of like, maybe your kids, maybe I should use Wesley as my example. Have you ever had your kids where you're like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, we're not going to do this right now, we're not going to, do it. and the kid comes over, and they're like, but please, 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 and then you try to walk away, and what do they, they hold on to your leg, and you're like, yeah, you could, okay, okay, okay. I think that this pray earnestly carries that idea, like I am bound up, I'm binding, I'm holding on, I'm not letting go of the Lord to answer this request. I have not done this. And I've had to repent this week and say, Lord, when I see a plentiful harvest, when God, I mean, it's not like I'm like, oh, I just had, God did this amazing, like I'm more special or smarter than anybody that I saw. The plentiful harvest is there. It's a gift that God has opened my eyes to see it. So when I see that, I go, thank you, Lord, that I've seen this plentiful harvest. And when I, come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go. I, I ought not to get behind. I want to get behind and push, right? Or be the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to say, oh, we need this. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. <laughs> and like make eye contact with somebody that wasn't doing something. I want to look them right at. i like, laborers are few. You know that. It says that, right? I mean, is that what Christ has called me to do? He has called the workers of the harvest that see this harvest and have been sent out. He calls them to say, hey, when this happens, when you see this, it's going to happen. There's going to be a plentiful harvest. There's going to be few labors. What ought we to do? Pray earnestly. And notice who we're praying to. Now there's, yeah, the Lord of the harvest. Notice there's two two things that reiterate this concept that he says here at the end of this passage we're looking at today. He is the Lord of the harvest. Every harvest that's ever taken place on this planet since the creation of this world, every fruit that has been born forth from those plants, everything that's happened, everything that's grown and produced since the beginning of history has been because of him. He is Lord, sovereign king of harvests, all harvests that exist on this planet. And this one is not separate from that. The harvest of eternal fruit, the harvest of souls gathered in all of this, he is the Lord of this harvest. And so when you pray, ooh, this is challenging. When I pray, if I see, oh, there's a harvest, it's not like God's unaware, and I'm like, I'm making this ministry happen. And I'm like, God, you got to help me. I, that's backwards, isn't it? This is his church. This is his harvest. And that's what it says next. Pray the Lord of the harvest to do what? To send out laborers into the harvest? Is that what it says? Into the harvest? His. Harvest. So when we pray, we're praying, God, this circles all the way back around. We just get to be a part of this amazing thing that God is doing. He's gonna bring in his harvest. Is he not? And when we see this, we just say, Lord, bring more. Lord, let us not miss one single fruit. And Lord, we're short handed Lord bring more it's your harvest it's your harvest it's not my harvest it's your harvest it's your church this is his church these are his people this town is his now what was the main point there's work to be done and the Lord will accomplish it, right? There's work to be done, and the Lord will accomplish it. I want to encourage you today as we move into this. I I had all kinds of other little, okay, I could do this application or that application or this other application here, but I, I think the main application right here is that we ought to pray. We ought to pray. I want to take a minute, and I haven't worked out the details of how I want to do this, but I want to take a minute here of... Uh, just an opportunity to pray for the harvest. I'm gonna give you an example. The one that burdens me the most is Danville High School because that's where I work. I see the kids that are there and I think my heart is burdened for the lost that are there. The kids without parents, the kids without homes, Kids without anybody in their life that's pointing them in the right direction at all. Kids that don't have anybody in their life that just says, I love you. There's a plentiful harvest there, and the laborers there are few. And so when I pray and I think about this, I, my heart primarily goes to that school. And the kids that are there, the kids of this city, are in desperate need. Amen. Sometimes I do look at it and I go, it's like, it's ripe for the harvest. Some of those kids, if I just had the time, what could I do? I've been toying around lately. I'm like, I have no idea how to do something like this. But I'm like, man, I I wish I could just start a children's home in this town and just bring them all in. Just bring them all in. Just, you know, all the ones that don't have a place. Come on. We'll love you here. Um, I don't know how to do those things. And I... So I I read this, and I'm feeling this. There's a harvest that's plentiful, but the laborers are few. Lord, send out laborers. My my mind wants to go to try to figure out how I had to make things happen. And after I read, read this and studied this, I said, my main thing I need to do is to pray, God, send laborers into your harvest. I know that for some, you may have to repent this week of, you have shake, shook the dust of your feet off of this town. And I want to tell you right now, do, don't look at it that way. There, there are souls in this town that are ripe for salvation. Okay? In fact, the worse it gets, right, some of you look at, wow, well, they're bringing in a casino. The worse it gets... The riper the fruit, okay? The worse it gets, the more opportunity for the saving grace of God exists in this town. This is what we've been talking about, right, Andrew? It's easy to think, it's easy to look at people that have their lives together, but many times those are the ones that are farthest from the kingdom. And quite often the ones that are closest to the kingdoms are the ones that are the most destitute and the most wrapped up in their sin. This city, this town of Danville and its surrounding area, this county is ripe. And I want to encourage you if you've been looking at this town not like that, you ought to repent today and say, Lord, help me to see this city. Open my eyes to see, to drive through this town and just be burdened for this town and for these people. If you do, I'm telling you, you're going to be overwhelmed. You will be overwhelmed. And this is why we have to come back to this and say, Lord, we're going to pray earnestly that you would send out labors into this harvest. Lord, give us direction. Give us wisdom. Help us to know which way to go. Oh, he's coming. He's coming one day. Right? He's coming back. What can we do to work in this town to get it ready for him? That's the question. We're going to partake now in communion. I think it's a good opportunity to go from this to that, recognizing that this work of salvation. Oh, I moved those chairs back. I shouldn't have. This work of salvation is his work, right? The sin, the sin of this city. Is Christ's death on the cross, is it enough for Danville? Is it? Not happy. Is is the death of Christ, is this what we're celebrating today, is this enough for the worst of the worst in Danville? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we partake of remembrance of this and we think about the blood that was shed, we think about the body that was broken on the cross. Right? When we remember these things, I want you today to think about it in terms of mission-minded, that this is not just for us. Who in this town might celebrate this with us in the future? That's not here today. Right? who will God bring into your path that you might this week be able to share the good news of the gospel and all that Christ has done this week, that might this very week it's ripe for the harvest. Heavenly Father, I just want to take a moment now as we thank you for this bread and this cup. Lord, I thank you, God, for all that you've done. I thank you for giving us even this tradition to remember what you've done I thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross and you went all the way. Lord, I thank you that your face was set toward Jerusalem. I thank you, God, that you called not just the 12, but the 72. Lord, I thank you that not just the 72, but all others you have called into the work of the ministry. I thank you, Lord, for those that are in this room today that are going to partake of this today. Lord, that maybe even a year ago, no way. Lord, you've brought them in. Who else might you bring? Lord, I pray for your blessing on this cup and this bread. In Christ's name, amen.